Welcome to the Shell Harbour Salvation Army podcast. If you are ever in Shell Harbour, come and worship with us 10 a.m. Sundays. Check out shellharboursalvos.com or our Facebook page for more info. Well, good morning. Um, where am I? Get my phone out here. A few years ago, I went and saw a singer called Gillian Welsh, or Gillian Welsh. She's a country singer, which makes a lot of people cringe, but she's like a next level country singer. There's something special about Gillian Welsh. I'm going to play some of her stuff right now. And um, crank the music up there, fellas. It takes a while to get going. Uh, the crowd was mostly inner city hipster types, a lot of beards and that, and that kind of stuff. Uh, they were playing the Metro Theatre in Sydney. And about, uh, I don't know, three quarters of the way through. Has it got any volume? Um, there we go. They started playing this really old-timey spiritual number. I'll fly away. One sweet morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. There on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. We'll let him sing for a minute. Country fans are knowing this stuff. And when they got to this bit, the whole crowd got into it. Everyone was stomping their feet and closing their eyes and raising their hands, singing, I'll fly away. Hallelujah, by and by. There you go, you can turn it down now, fellas. Everyone was into it. And I looked around and a lot of those people would have been atheists or maybe even agnostic. But every single person was kind of enthralled, enamored by this concept of another life, another place that we can go to where everything will be set straight. Everything will be made good. And the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about heaven. It doesn't say that we're going to be floating on clouds. It says something about how we're going to be walking down streets paved with gold, but that's just metaphorical. It's not a literal thing. It doesn't tell us much about how it's going to look, but it does tell us something about the makeup of the place. Who will be there and who will be where? We're looking at a passage from Matthew, and this begins with Jesus telling his disciples that it will be near impossible for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and this is really shocking for the disciples because they believe that any Israelite who'd managed to, to earn a rich and respectable living despite living under Roman rule must be favoured by God. They must be God's favourite people. But here Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Their wealth is actually a disadvantage. Their wealth is actually going to make it hard for them to get into the kingdom of God. And so Peter, one of the disciples, is listening along to this. And he's scratching his head and he's thinking it over. And he thinks, well, I, I left my home to follow you, Jesus. And I left my family. I left my job. I left my wealth. I've put myself in great danger to follow you, Jesus. What does that mean for me and my life? And Jesus says this to them. He says, anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name will receive them a hundred times over and he will enter into possession of eternal life. But many who were first will be last and many who are last will be first. 
Now, this is a, a, conf- a confronting bit of teaching, as we should expect from Jesus. Because so much of our life is spent trying to be amongst the first, trying to have money, trying to have power, trying to have a comfortable house on a safe street. Many a lifetime has been spent trying to be amongst the first. But here Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. One day the disadvantaged will be first. One day those who are suffering will be first. When all is said and done, the unknown will be celebrities and the powerless will be the powerful and the poor will be rich. The last will be first. And I want to give you uh, two reasons why God works like this. Two reasons why we will have this great reversal where the first will be last and the last will be first. First is that God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. I wonder if you've ever known anyone whose life just never really got going, never really worked. I had this client, a little boy with very severe autism, and he only ever communicated to his mother. Just him and his mum. That was all he had in his life. And one day they were driving along that dangerous stretch of road, up and road, you know, up there. It's all a lot of accidents. And they hit a truck, car flipped over. The mother died and the poor little boy was flung out into the grass. Wasn't found for hours. And they found him and now he lives in a group home. He's got no family to take care of him. Non-verbal, not expected to live very long. And you think that's just so unfair. It's so unfair. And maybe some of you have known someone who's maybe had depression or some severe mental illness and they turn to drugs and alcohol and maybe they turn to crime and they just get more and more trouble and they're in and out of jail and maybe they overdose and, and, and they, they, they die and you think, well, they just never had a chance either. So many lives that are just held down. They're crushed by life. C.S. Lewis knew people who lived this kind of life, and he said this. He said, the people with very hard problems are understood by God. He knows what wretched machines they are trying to drive. Someday he will fling them away and give those people new ones. Then they may astonish everyone, for they learn their driving in a hard school. Some of the last will be first, and some of the first will be last. Well, Jesus works this way because there's a question of justice. Those of us who have been crushed down by life will be lifted up by Jesus. Those of us who have been crushed down by life will be lifted up by Jesus. This is a question of justice and God is a God of justice. The second reason is a more practical one. The thing is, you need humility. You need to be humble to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's the key to the kingdom of heaven. I used to be a leader on these kids' camps. We ran out one every year for about 10 years. And the whole 10 years since she was an eight-year-old girl, there was a girl named Roberta, and she dreamed of being a, a, a camper of the year. And she was 18, she'd grown up, and she'd never got it. So I pulled her aside and I said, look, Roberta, you can win this. There's, there's, a, there's a secret. What we do is on the last night, all the leaders get together and we nominate some names and then we vote. But every single year, each individual leader votes on the same criteria. There's a key to their affections. For instance, Brenda. Brenda loves it when she sees an older child looking after a younger child. That just melts her heart. So be sure to do that. 
And then there's Trevor, and Trevor's always stuck at the end of the night putting chairs away. For hours on end, no one helps him. So if you help Trevor out for a few minutes, different Trevor. Yeah, if you help Trevor out for a few minutes, like, you'll, you'll win him over 100%. And then I said, and then there's Annette, and she just loves Turkish delights. If you find some excuse to give her Turkish delight, you'll have her vote. So Roberta got to work, and she started looking after little children, and she helped Trevor with the chairs, and she gave uh, Annette a Turkish delight. And sure enough, the vote came. She won. She was camper of the year. And I felt a little guilty afterwards for rigging the thing. So I went up to Annette, and I said, oh, look, you know, I kind of tipped off Roberta about that Turkish Delight thing. And Annette said, look, uh, you don't understand how much I love Turkish Delight. I don't care that it was rigged. She would have had my vote anyway. <laughs> uh, so we found the key to their affections. We found that vital thing which would, which would open the door to each leader. Well, the key to the kingdom of heaven is humility. Not just because... Jesus really, really likes it, although he does. But because you'll never find any need for Jesus unless you can have some humility. You're never going to feel the need to be forgiven. You're never going to accept forgiveness. You're never going to continue to be obedient to Jesus unless you have some humility. And you know what? It is so much easier to have humility when you come and last in life. So what happens is many of those who are last end up first. And many of those who are first end up last. Flannery O'Connor was, was, yes, was a Catholic uh, short story writer, really considered by many to be the greatest short story writer of all time. And she wrote a story called The Revelation, and it illustrates this in, in a really, really powerful way. It's set in the south of America back in the 50s in a doctor's waiting room. And in walks this woman named Ruby. And Ruby's a very respectable type. And she walks in and she sees this little boy sitting there with a snotty nose and dirty clothes. And she shakes her head and, you know, says, can't believe that a mother would let their child go out looking like that. And she sits down and she sits next to this other respectable looking lady and they get to talking. And they get to talking about how important it is to be clean and hardworking. She says, I'm very hardworking. I wash my pig pen down every single night. It's absolutely spotless. And they're going on about this. And meanwhile, there's a lady named uh, Mary Grace, a young girl, just back from college, named Mary Grace. And she's listening to this. She's getting quite frustrated, quite cranky at this woman. And uh, Ruby keeps on going. And she says, well, you know, some people, they're just not grateful for what they've got. I'm very grateful. It's very important to be grateful. And her friend's agreeing with her. And they go on and on and on, and eventually Mary Grace loses her temper. She can't have it anymore. And she jumps up, and she leaps across the room, and she jumps on top of Ruby, and she starts hitting her, and the doctors have to come in and drag her off and sedate Mary Grace. And Ruby, she's lying there, and she's saying, she's thinking, why? Why would someone attack a good, respectable person like me? An upstanding citizen like me. And she asked the girl, she said, why, why would you attack me? And Mary Grace says to her, why don't you go back to hell where you came from, you old warthog? And then um, Ruby heads home and she goes out to do her nightly cleaning of the pig pen. And she's thinking about it. And she just has this feeling that maybe this wasn't just a message from a cranky teenager. Maybe this was a message from God. And just as she has this notion, 
she sees the rays of the setting sun and they appear to her like a path between heaven and earth. And on this path is a great big procession of people. And right at the front is that snotty-nosed kid, except now his face is clean and his clothes are a radiant white. And around him are all the, 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 the people who live down in the trailer park and all the, the black servants that she has and disabled people. All the very poorest people are there and they're dancing and they're joyful and they're having a wonderful time. But there, right at the back of the queue, is Ruby and her husband. And they're walking along in perfect formation, marching in time. They're singing in key. But if you look closely at their faces, you can see that they're shocked and they're altered. And it's as if their self-righteousness is just being burned away. So what does this information mean for us? Well, we can spend an entire lifetime trying to put ourselves at the front of the queue, trying to place ourselves amongst the first, trying to be rich and respectable and powerful and comfortable. But God calls first the suffering the disadvantaged, the marginalized, the poor. So instead of trying to be first, seek humility. Give some of your wealth away. Uh, leave the comforts of your home and spend some time with the marginalized. Put yourself last now and then, and when the final day comes and all is said and done, Lord Jesus Christ will put you first. He will put you first. Let's pray.